You are listening to episode number 217 of the Pioneering Today podcast. Welcome. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, best-selling author of three books, founder of the Pioneering Today Academy, as well as the main contributor at melissaknorris.com. This is where we don't just inspire you, but give you the clear steps to creating the homegrown garden, pantry, kitchen, and life you want for your family and homestead. In today's episode, we're going to be diving into the things that we do in our garden in the fall months. Now, really, depending upon your climate, you can pretty much do this anytime when you're an early fall, mid fall, late fall, even the beginning of winter, if your ground isn't completely frozen solid and or you've got quite a bit of snow accumulation already on the ground. When it comes to growing a productive and healthy garden, it always comes back down to the health of your soil. Now, in previous episodes, we've talked about some different aspects of this especially in episode number 200, which was how to improve the health of your garden soil. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I will link to it in the blog post that accompanies this episode. And you're going to want to catch that one and dive back into it. But I will do just a quick recap on that episode. And one of the things that we talk about is making sure that you know your major micro and macro nutrients. So those are things like your, well, your pH level is not a micro or macronutrient, but we go over pH levels and why those are important. And then we really start to talk about in those macro and micronutrients, things like phosphorus, potassium, calcium, magnesium, boron, sulfur, zinc, magnesium, you know, guys, that one always trips me up. (laughs) Manganese, I never say it right the first time. Copper and iron. And one of the ways that we can add organic matter into our soil, especially when it comes to fall, because fall is such a perfect time to begin to improve your soil, because over the fall and winter months, what we put in the soil has time to actually break down and then be absorbed into the soil so that it is ready to go for the plants that we put in in the spring and summer months. Now, one of the things that I talked about in that episode were cover crops. However, if you are in a northern climate like myself, and you're listening to this episode at the time that it releases, which thank you so much, and that probably means you're a subscriber, so high five. And if you're not one yet, and you're just new to the show, well, welcome. And whatever app you're listening to this on, make sure that you hit subscribe so you get every episode delivered straight to your phone as soon as they release. So you don't miss anything when it's released because usually that's the best time uh, to apply that to your homestead. So this time of year, if you're in a northern climate, it's really too late for cover crops. The soil is too cold and the plants, even if you're not freezing yet, which you're in a northern climate and at the time of this recording, we are in about mid-November going towards late November it's pretty much too late for you to put a cover crop in. It's just not going to get established and to do anything. But there's lots of things that we can do. Oftentimes, gardeners and homesteaders, like we think that, oh man, 
Like that is the best way to do it. And I missed the timing. So I'm just not going to do anything like next year. I'll do it. Well, my friends, very, very rarely is that true. There is usually always a workaround or something that you can do now, even if you feel like you waited too long. I mean, oh my goodness, that could be an entire episode, probably all on itself in all the things that have to do with homesteading. But in the garden, there's usually always something you can do. And so that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. And this is something that we just did this past weekend in our main annual vegetable garden area. So as I said, cover crops can be great, but there were certain areas of the garden where we have our cold weather plants still growing. And so it was a little bit harder for me to plant cover crops where I had existing plants and crops going because I didn't want the cover crop to take over that area. And those plants are still drawing nutrients from the soil. And so I didn't want any of the cover crops as they were becoming established to compete with those areas. We still have Brussels sprouts that are growing strong and we're harvesting from then. We'll continue to harvest um, probably right up until into December. And then once we start to get really, 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 really uh, cold weather, then I'll have to harvest what's still out there that we haven't eaten yet. And I'll probably just blanch and freeze those and then put some of them in the fridge uh, to take us through the rest of the year. But I'm leaving that and my kale. Those are growing great and I can still harvest them through frost and everything else. I also, because I am using some cold frames, I am able to still grow my beets. So my beets are still growing in the garden and are still in the ground and they're doing great. So I'm still going to be harvesting off of those over the next several weeks. Now, the reason I I share what I've still got on the ground, there's a couple reasons and it's going to go into the method that we just did. But because of that, I wasn't able to really sow a large batch or a large area, those areas with a cover crop. And honestly, as I've been preparing for the launch of the new book, The Family Garden Plan, which launches and releases to the world January 7th. So for all of you guys who have already pre-ordered and taken advantage of all the bonuses, thank you so much. I cannot wait till you have the book in your hands. But in prep for all of the awesome things that we're going to be having coming out with that and making all of those bonuses for those of you guys who pre-ordered, and then also doing the organic gardening workshop, honestly, I just did not get to sowing cover crops in any area of the garden in time like I would have liked to. But I know that my soil, because I did spring crops, summer crops, and fall crops in it, really is going to need the introduction of more nitrogen back into the soil. It really needs to be fed. And over the winter months, you really don't want to leave your soil bare because the rain and the snow, it's going to wash away that valuable topsoil. It's going to compact it more. And you're going to have more weed seeds because you've got bare soil where those seeds can fall via the wind or birds, you know, all the ways that seeds work their way into our ground. Well, it's like an open bed and kind of an open invitation for weed seeds to come in. So there's multiple reasons we don't really want to have bare soil over the winter months. But because I missed that boat with the cover crops, we went out instead. And now if you don't have livestock, this might not be quite as easy for you, but usually there are farms around or people that do have livestock that you can get manure from. Now, if it's a huge commercial farm, I would not personally, I would not want manure from animals that are being fed 
a lot of commercial feed that is not organic, that is treated with pesticides or herbicides. I would not want that type of manure coming into my vegetable garden. So that's just personal preference. But if you've got friends or even smaller farms, you can ask them, like, what do you treat your fields with where your animals are eating? Or what type of feed are you feeding them? Like, you know, what, and just ask them. Because a lot of small farmers, they might not be certified organic, but a lot of them practice organic practices. So anyhow, just a little FYI there. But you get your fresh manure and you put that down first. Now, this is one of the few times where you actually can use fresh manure, even if it's from chickens. So if, you're, if you are a homestead that has livestock, we clean out the chicken coop and then I go out to the pasture if I don't have enough uh, poop from the chicken coop to cover all of the garden area that I need to. And I just shovel up all of the cow poop. We have the tractor now, which let me tell you, one bucket full load in the tractor, which we would just kind of move the tractor around the field and then actually shovel in because with that tractor blade, we didn't want to take out huge scoops of our pasture. But instead of just doing it the wheelbarrow full at a time, being able to shovel that poop into the tractor bucket, oh my goodness, made it so much easier. But you can do it with just a wheelbarrow because my friend, for many a decade, that is how I did it was just with my wheelbarrow. But this is the time where you can get that fresh manure. So from your cattle, sheep, even horses, though horses, here's the thing about horse manure and why a lot of people don't like to use it in an annual vegetable type area because horse manure, if they're eating hay, the manure has a lot more seeds in it. And unless you're putting it in a compost pile that's reaching higher temps, then it's not going to kill those weed seeds, and then it's all going to sprout wherever you put the manure in your garden. So a lot of people will avoid horse manure unless you're putting it in a large compost pile where it's going to reach temperatures. I think off the top of my head, it needs to be like 135 or 140 degrees. Oh, goodness. Don't quote me on that, you guys. It's in the book. But it, it's, it's, it's quite a high temperature for a certain number of days in order to kill those seeds. So in a big compost pile, Usually it'll reach that. But just in the garden, when you're doing the mulching method that I'm telling you guys about today, it's not going to reach that. So cows is different. Cows eat hay too, but they've got two stomachs. And so the way that it processes through them, you don't generally have the weed seeds in cow manure that you would from horse. But chicken works great. Rabbit works great. Some people will use pig manure. But the point is, when you're putting the manure down on your garden right now in the fall, You've got a long enough time for it to break down before you're going to have any harvestable or edible crops coming out of the garden. So it's okay to put fresh manure down, even if it's hot, because it's going to break down. Because in the springtime and the summertime, you can't put down fresh, um, you shouldn't even put down fresh cattle manure, definitely not fresh chicken manure. It's way, way too hot. And when you are putting manure down before it's had a chance, now if it's been composted down, that's completely different. But before it's had a chance to break down, when it's still considered fresh or hot, about 120 days needs to pass from the time that you put it down on your garden soil before you're harvesting your root crops. And about 920 to 90 days, not quite as long if you're harvesting crops that are grown above the ground that aren't actually you know down in the dirt. So for example, when you're harvesting your Brussels sprouts, they're up on a stalk. And those Brussels sprouts that we're harvesting to eat, they're not actually down touching the dirt that has the manure in it. So that's considered best practices just to avoid 
any cross of pathogens and or potential parasites, you know, that kind of thing. And of course, we're still all, you know, washing off our washing off our produce and everything, even from the own garden when we bring it in. But that's kind of your, your general rule of thumb there. So I had to be careful because I do still have beets in the ground that we are harvesting where I was placing the manure. And you do want to make sure if you've still got some fall crops. So I only did one area of the garden right now with the manure. And then we'll do more after the rest of the fall and winter crops are fully harvested and pulled out. But we were able to get a jump start on a certain section of it. So after we put the manure down, then we do another layer. Now, you can do a layer of straw, but it has seeds in it. Not as much as hay, but straw still does have seeds in it. And they will germinate and begin to grow if your temps are, you know, still mildly like in the 50s, um, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, if you're getting highs like that during the day, even if you're getting freezing temps at night, I'll still have where I have areas of straw, I will still have them begin to sprout some seeds. Now, usually then we just get so cold that what has sprouted and started to grow stops. And then I'm able to pull it out in the springtime before it can really get established and growing again. But it does add a little bit more work. So my preferable method really is to use leaves. And so you're just you're basically creating sheet composting or garden uh, layers, sheet mulching on top of your garden soil by having what we would consider a green. Your manure is considered a green when we're talking composting wise. And then you're putting a brown on top of it. So that all breaks down and leaves. This is true with any composting, but When the leaves are smaller or more shredded, they will break down faster. But I know that I'm going to be doing a just a a rough chop of working it into the soil come springtime. And so if there's any that's not broken down all the way by spring, it's going to get chopped up into my top layer of soil anyways, and I'm going to be working it into these areas. So I'm not overly concerned with making sure that all of my leaves are like run through a shredder or are shredded to a really fine, small uh, surface size. (laughs) Um, But that's so that's what we just spent this last week in doing. So if you did not get a cover crop in and you haven't had any chance to amend your soil yet, it's not too late. Get yourself some manure and we just kind of we spread it in the main row areas where we know we, where we've got our working rows that we're going to be planting in rows the following year so that we still have kind of walkways um, between there. And then the leaves go on top and then that's it. And then that just sits and breaks down over the next, uh, the rest of fall, the winter months and coming of spring and plenty of time will have passed before I start to put in my early spring crops So that I don't need to worry about, like I said, having that 120 day buffer is a really good rule of thumb. So not only will this help provide especially nitrogen, but nutrients back into your soil will definitely help with erosion. And if you use the right manure to begin with and not horse manure, it will also help with weed control. Now, if you were curious and you missed episode number 213, where I talk about using plant covers for cold weather gardening, how we grow vegetables pretty much all year long, I'll make sure and have a link to that episode as well. And to grab all of these links in one spot and also to share this episode, you can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash 217 because this is episode number 217.
If you want more details on organic soil amendment and doing crop rotation, companion planting, pretty much all the things that in order to grow your own food, you are going to want to make sure that you grab my new book, The Family Garden Plan. Grow a year's worth of sustainable and healthy food. You can pre-order it right now at familygardenplan.com. And when you pre-order it, we have a form there. You're just going to hit the little button that says claim my bonuses. Pop in your name and email and your receipt number, and you can order it from anywhere. You can get it from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Christian Book Distributors, ChristianBook.com, like pretty much all the places books are sold. You can pre-order it. And that means that right now, before the book even ships out in January, that you get instant access to that crop rotation and companion planting video and download guides. Our Seed Saving 101 video and ebook package, the Organic Soil Amendment Guide. You guys, this thing is like so detailed. You are going to love it. It goes into each micro and macro nutrient, tells you signs that it's off and the organic ways to amend your soil to fix it. You also get early access, and this is the awesome part. Straight from the book, you get it now. The planting a year's worth of food charts and worksheets so that you can begin knowing and planning out which seeds you need to order and exactly, exactly how many plants, including fruits and vegetables, you need to put in to provide enough food to take your family of that specific crop through an entire year. And it's all done for the backyard gardener. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I will be back here with you on Friday. And in Friday's episode, which is going to be 218, we are going to be talking about how using homesteading skills, and this is something that any of you can do. We are raising over $1,000 for my daughter's basketball team as a fundraiser, but this is something that any of you guys can do. So I'm super excited to dive into that episode with you. So that is going to be releasing on Friday. So I will see you here. Same time, same place. 